0: to live more sustainably. Think about the world around you and how you can make your little corner of the globe even greener. Welcome to Sustainable U on 1077 The Bronx. Every Saturday morning at 9am, the Sustainable U crew focuses on current environmental trends, events, and threats, as well as interviews experts in the field of sustainability and offers easy tips on how to make our community a more sustainable place in which to live. Sustainable U on 1077 The Bronx is underwritten in part by long Crafters LLC, helping you create a landscape that you can be proud of. The Rider University Office of Sustainable Management and Bronx Go Green. Team Toyota of Princeton. Are you a part of the team? Terhune Orchards, 330 Coast Soil Road, Lawrence. 200 acres of locally grown, Jersey Fresh fruits and vegetables with country-style service. And the Trenton Farmers Market, 960 Spruce Street, Lawrence. The area's original and most trusted farmers market. Open all year round. Becoming a greener individual is more than beneficial to you. It creates a better world for all of us. Now here's this week's edition of Sustainable You on one
1: 1077 The Bronx. 1077 The Bronx and 1077TheBronx.com, live from Clarence Public House Studios. This is Sustainable You. I'm one of your hosts, Dean Riddle, and I'm joined by Jalisa Malvern. So, once again, it is a very warm summer. It is getting hotter and hotter each and every day, and we're going to refer back to a little bit of a theme we had last week, and we are once again going to refer to climate change. So it was found recently in a study from Northwestern University that uh, bees uh, are actually they're severely declining in the population, not because of like of people killing them or anything, but it's because it's getting too warm out. So, These bees, the bees that are being talked about in this article in particular are called blueberry mason bees. And first off, I just want to say these bees are really, really cool. These bees are literally blue. I mean, who here has ever seen a blue bee? I know I haven't. Um these bees are they're mainly found in Arizona and like a little bit in New Mexico and Texas um so they cool. particularly live and they live in drier climates they live in hotter climates so these bees are already used to hotter climates and they're able to endure that pretty well um but with the increasing temperature lately because of global warming and potentially other factors too it's getting warmer and warmer there and that's making it a lot harder for these bees to survive um They held a field experiment, uh, as a matter of fact, a two year long field experiment where um, they put some bees into a warmer temperature group and then they put some bees in a normal group where in temperatures where they usually live. And they found that in one year, 35% of the bees died, and in the second year, 70% of them died, as compared to a 1% to 2% mortality rate in the control group. Now, that's a huge difference between 70% to 2%. That is a gigantic difference. And that's really, that's worrying too. Because say on average, there were, um, a thousand, say there were a thousand bees. I'm just saying just for a number, for statistics sake, that means 700 of those bees in that warmer temperature are dying. That's 700 less bees that are able to pollinate plants, um, and that's really worrying that's really worrying because we all know how important bees are into the ecosystems that we live in today because bees they pollinate plants and mm-hmm. pollinating well pollen in general is a very very important component into maintaining the balance of an ecosystem because that is very what able so. that's what makes it where plants are able to effectively reproduce because yeah um you know they let off uh pollen and that goes to another uh, plant, and then that's how seeds are made. And then the seed is fertilized, and that's how it grows.
2: Like you said, Dean, um, about the pollination, about 90% of um, flowers, they say, are codependent on this, the pollen pollination from bees. And basically, what you said was very true, that um, in order to have um, plants reproduce, they need um, pollination from bees. And if their um, population is going down, that's going to um, contribute to um, a, a block in the ecosystem.
1: Yeah, and it, it's extremely worrying. Uh, it's extremely worrying for humans, too, because it's not just flowers that are being pollinated. It comes down to, like, plants that we eat, too. You know, you think cucumbers, uh, even, like, any any plant, basically. Any plant needs to be pollinated so that they can be fertilized and grow and so that the whole cycle can continue so that more and more of that can grow if we lose bees then that means there's going to be no more pollination and it will be very very difficult to grow crops because only a very small amount of pollen is actually let into the air and even less of that percentage finds it to another plant that accepts that uh type of pollen so bees they kind of know they kind of know what they're doing that's kind of one of their main jobs one of their main jobs is spreading that pollen so that other plants can grow because the bees yes they use some of that pollen to um to help them make their nectar and then their honey. That's part That's part of the process. But without even knowing it, because they go into all these flowers, they're spreading. They get some pollen on them and then they spread some of that pollen to other flowers too. So they're kind of doing like two jobs in one. They're surviving for themselves by going to these flowers. And are also helping other plants reproduce in the process. So bees are perhaps one of the most important and one of the most versatile um, bugs or just Species in an ecosystem because they do so much and it's crazy because they're such a small little thing, but they do such a big job. They do such a big thing, and you know what? Bees aren't even that bad. It's bees like bees don't even sting you really. It's only it's like it's the wasps and hornets that sting. So like Ew. I don't get why people. I I remember like this happened like a month ago or two months ago or something where someone went onto a uh, someone went into a bee farm and they destroyed. Almost all of the hives that uh, that they had. It killed, oh, like, 300,000 bees. Yeah. That's so bad. That's awful because those bees are so important. And then those bees are being farmed just so that they could eventually be released and they could find their way and pollinate more things. I think bee farms are a really great thing. Um, and it's hard, it's hard to do it, though, when... The temperature is changing so much Because people can only do so much About temperature Yeah. Because we can put bees In say hypothetically We can put them in a greenhouse Where it's a controlled environment Where you don't have to worry about it being too cold You don't have to worry about it being too hot Because we can control that But on a larger scale It's just not a viable thing that we can do
2: And um They said that the car caradona team set up three types of nesting environments for the mason bee um which it was blueberry mason bee i believe they said that um the team manipulated the temperatures of the nest by painting them to simulate past present and future requirements. and they um, painted a third of the nest black to absorb more radiant heat thus simulating future climate predicted for years 2040 to 2099 and basically through the experiment, it kind of mocked the way real um, climate change is affecting them. And they said that the repercussions were um, drastically, um, um, they were very bad, they were very drastic. They said that they um, underwent multiple disturbing changings and they said not only were their mortality rates remarkably higher, but they emerged from this pause over a much longer period of time And they said um, um, they typically emerge from this pause over the course of 10 to 15 days.
1: So I think one of one of the biggest dangers of this increasing temperature is not only the higher mortality rate of these of these bees. It's also the fact that it makes it more difficult for them to reproduce in the because in the warmer environment, they have less body fat on them. So they're a lot uh, they're a lot smaller. And number one, that makes it so that uh, it's harder for them to weather storms because they're just, they're more fragile. They're more fragile uh, bugs when they do that. But second of all, it makes it harder for them to reproduce because they're smaller. And to the female perspective, that's less attractive than a larger bee because a larger bee shows that they're stronger and able to endure a lot more. So yeah. with higher death rates and lower reproduction rates, that's like a double threat right there because like, uh, they can't reproduce, like, whatever numbers are lost because of the increasing temperature because it makes it so much harder for them to uh, re- re- regenerate, to replenish that population it that's takes, lost. It,
2: don't, it takes so long to do that, and um, there's only so much you can do, like, um, in reproducing. If you have, uh, like, a few bees um, reproducing at one time, that would take many years to um, get that population back to the way it used to be. And... um that that's that's a problem because if you're not having a whole lot of bees repopulate and if you don't have enough bees to repopulate that poses as a problem in the population
1: i mean yeah the process itself of trying to replenish um uh, a down population to trying to replenish a low population that takes a long time as it is anyway um I think pandas, pandas actually got removed from the endangered species list very recently, but ever since I was a little kid, pandas have always been endangered. Pandas have been endangered for so long, and it took this long for them to finally be off the endangered list, I think now they're threatened species, which is still not good, but it's a step up from from before. Um, But yeah, that process itself already takes a long time, so now this is going to make it even harder for that to really happen, because... It, it just them being uh, be, being smaller, it makes it so much harder for them to be able to reproduce. and with b- being able to reproduce less, there's gonna be less numbers, and then more and more are gonna die. Eventually, if nothing's done, it's gonna get to a point where there's so few left. and it may eventually lead to their extinction. Um, now, there is a little little bit of hope. Um, these bees, they could move further up the mountains because it's in Arizona, so there are mountains in that area. There are cooler areas where they can go to if they need to. So chances are, probably they'll realize that it's getting a lot warmer, and they will go into those warmer, air, uh, those colder areas, I should say. Um, so they're gonna go up there. The problem in that though is that there's a certain plant like native to Arizona. It's called the manzanita plant, um, and those blueberry mason bees are the only bees that pollinate that plant. So even if the bees are okay, those plants are probably going to see a really sharp decline in that uh, in that area because mm-hmm. there's less things able to really pollinate it. Yeah. Um, even with the bees surviving upper climate, um, there aren't really any other known species that do as much. There are some other bees that do help pollinate it, but they don't do as much of a job as the blueberry, blueberry mason bees do because the blueberry mason bees, they focus on mainly pollinating that unfortunately we do have to take a quick break on sustainable u we'll be right back on 1077 the bronc and Remember, 1077 being the sustainable the always
0: begins with you time to take environmental action now back to our weekly eco-friendly discussion on sustainable u exclusively on 1077 the Bronx and 1077thebronc.com to download previous episodes of sustainable u click on the sustainable u tab at 1077thebronc.com
2: 1077 The bronc and 1077 com live at Corny's Public House Studios. This is Sustainable You. I'm one of your hosts, Julissa Malvern, and I'm joined by Dean Riddle. And for this segment's topic, we'll be talking about Serbia. And Serbia is um, making an aim to tackle devastating environmental problems. Um, they said that the um, Serbia um, Official advisor Advisory Council urged the government on Tuesday to begin investigating one. 1- of GDP to tackle devastating environmental problems including air pollution and acute lack of sewage
1: treatment facilities. 1.3% like that just seems like such a small amount to me and like uh, it goes on later to say that like only 10% of their wastewater uh, has actually been treated Um, that's like also really bad that's like that's a really big waste in water so like my question is like where does all that untreated wastewater go to? And yeah. I, this article doesn't really explain that. I mean, I guess, yeah, they don't, not really, that, that's not the main focus of the article. I get that. But like, where does it go to? I really wonder where they put all this untreated water.
2: Exactly. It, and you probably remember Eric um, and um, us talking about, um, along with John Way, about the, the treatment, um, about, about treatment like sewage, how it could be tra- um, transferred to water.
1: Oh and yeah, they I do remember. Don't,
2: that. They don't probably. Um, that's probably the lack of sewage um, treatment facility.
1: It's disgusting. Yeah, it's like not good. yeah, because like if you don't treat not- the water, that that's like that allows for so much bacteria to grow to a really like high amount and like not good bacteria either. Like we're talking about like like E. coli here, and like E. coli is like really bad too. Yeah it is And I think um, in some areas of the world Cholera isn't eradicated yet So cholera could also uh, Potentially like Grow it could grow and become a huge problem With that I really look I never thought Serbia to be A very rich nation but 1.3% I think it should be at least double that I think it should be at least 2.5% GDP Because GDP is growth domestic product Which is basically how much money is being generated from the government um in that year mm-hmm. and they said that about 1.3% gdp is about 500 million euros which yeah in the grand scheme of things, I don't think it's very much because yeah. it sounds like they have a very big problem to deal with. They have a lot of problems to deal with, I think. Uh, Serbia itself, Serbia, yeah. I know, I, I'm not going to go deep into this because this, this is not environmental, but I know Serbia, um, they have their own issues. I know they have some crime issues there. I know they have some, uh, I mean, they got like some racism issues there too. That part that part of the world is, uh, it's very different at least. Uh, I mean- that's all i'm going to really say about it it's very different in that part of the world but nevertheless they should at least be caring about their uh, environment because everyone lives everyone lives there and i can't imagine living in an area where only 10 percent of the wastewater is treated that includes sewage water and that's that's disgusting to me
2: in serbia i don't think it's part of the eu like dean dean you mentioned that earlier yeah you said i you said that They hope to join it by 2025.
1: 2025, yep.
2: And I think it would be a little better if they did join the EU because it might help more with the environmental goals they're trying to strive for. And um, because they said that Serbia processes less than 10% of its wastewater and has a persistent problem with unregulated landfills. They said the two largest cities, um, Belgrade and Nova Sad. Um, dump raw sewage directly into the Danube and oh the Sava rivers, and that's a problem because if you don't ha- if you have unregulated unre- landfills, even if it's not um, pertaining to sewage, that's that's a problem because if you um you should have that approved because the more landfills you're dumping all these um, non biodegradable products into the landfills. And it's just causing more and more pollution.
1: See, it's not even that that gets it to me. It's the dumping of of the sewage the water sewage. into into the rivers. That's what that's, does it for me, because like that's not only affecting Serbia. That's affecting other countries downstream too. That's the Czech re- Republic. Yeah, that's affecting a Hungary. lot. That's really really bad because what's that? What that's going to do is it's going to make those waters absolutely disgusting. There's going to be no. Marine life that lives in them and eventually what's going to cause is it's eventually going to cause uh bacteria to die so what's going to happen is algae is going to grow algae is going to eat that bacteria and then eutrophication it's going to cause eutrophication where there is no dissolved oxygen in the water content and it's those rivers are going to be dead zones then where nothing can live in those rivers and that's never happened in a river before that's always something that's happened in coastal areas like in the u.s off of um after like the coast of georgia that's that's a uh, particularly reason uh, that's particularly an issue over there and also in parts of the gulf coast that's an issue but that's never been an issue in a river before because river water always moves so that yeah. makes sense so the upstream parts of the river where no dumping happens sure though that part will be fine but other other than that most other parts are going to be so severely affected and you know what eventually it is going to cause parts of the ocean to be dead zones so that nothing can live there and that's just that's not even just disgusting that's irresponsible too i can't imagine that a country in 2018 now doesn't have the resources to even treat their own wastewater i mean there there are other i know there are definitely um less rich countries out there that do a better job of managing their wastewater than Serbia does. I cannot believe, I can't emphasize how bad that figure is 10% of wastewater being treated. I cannot emphasize how bad that is. That is just disgusting. It's terrible, really.
2: On the upside, they say that the council said an improvement in public finances gave Serbia room to spend around 50 million, no, 500 million euros. That's equivalent to. 580 million dollars a year on cleaning up the environment they said that Serbia emerged into a public surplus in 2017 and that experts um um want to do the same this year with growth forecasts at 3.5 percent and they said that it cut its public debt to 57 percent of gp gdp from 75 percent in the space of two years and that and that's a pretty good um reduction in debt but i mean I don't know if that would be beneficial in the cleanup necessarily. But they said that it currently invests point seven percent of its economic output in the environment. Um but if it invests only point seven percent of its economic output in the environment,
1: that that's not that um It's not that much. That much. That's because it says that um other countries in Central and Eastern Europe spend around two percent which sounds a lot better. That 2% is a lot better in comparison to 0.7%. Um, but going back on what you said earlier about more available finances that they're spending on the environment, that's good. And it also does say that um, they're still on an upward slope so like they're still improving more and more each year so there should be more funds available of more extra funds available to spend on the environment so i am hoping that at one point it does get to be a bigger number spent on the environment like 750 million or 1 billion or something because to me it sounds like they have they have a big problem they have, they have a lot to fix over there because they've done so much over the years that has affected the environment so negatively That it's going to take so long and so much money to effectively clean everything up. And even of what they plan to clean up, some things are just not going to be able to be cleaned up. Like the river, there's no way that with all they've been doing, there's no way they're going to be able to completely clean it and completely restore the river to what it used to be like. They've damaged it so badly. And not only that, if they're going to be doing this, they got to give money to other countries too. Because they've affected other countries downstream from them in what they're doing especially with the river
2: and not only that they say at least a third of the population is exposed to air pollution and that the conditions are critical and not only um with the condition of the danube and um i think sava river that that, that's not just crucial that's not just a crucial problem but, but this is also
1: now i know it we did mention earlier that serbia wants to join the eu by 2025 and While I do think that that would be beneficial to Serbia as a whole, we got to look on a bit of a larger scale here and remember what's going on with Greece right now. Greece is, um, right now, they're not in very good shape. They they don't have a lot of money right now. I know that the U.S. has particularly been loaning them a lot of money over the past few years, Um, and in turn... Pollution has become more of a problem in Greece, and that's something that a lot of people don't really look at don't, people don't really look at Greece and see pollution problems because Everyone goes to Greece to go on the beautiful beaches and don't get me wrong. They are beautiful Greece is a beautiful country, but it's It's a problem that's getting worse and worse and the EU isn't really doing much to help them with it So I do think that if they join the EU um, Serbia would get more money but I don't really think it'd be enough, because just comparing what we're looking at with other countries, I don't really know what else is going to really be able to be done, because mm-hmm. EU hasn't done much for one country, so what makes it different for another country, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Unfortunately, we are out of time for this segment of Sustainable U. We'll be right back after a few short underwriting announcements on 1077 The Bronx and 1077 Remember, The Bronx. Sustainable com. always
0: begins with you. Time to take environmental action. Now back to our weekly eco friendly discussion on Sustainable U, exclusively on 1077 The Bronx and 1077TheBronx.com. To download previous episodes of Sustainable U, click on the Sustainable U tab at 1077TheBronx.com.
1: 1077 The Bronck and 1077Thebronk.com live from Clarence Public House Studios. This is Sustainable You. We are back. I'm one of your hosts, Dean Riddle, and I am joined by Julisa Malvern. So we actually have some new news in detecting earthquakes, actually. Um as reported by Simon Fraser University. They are developing these new teeny tiny little devices, less than one cubic centimeter, as a matter of fact, and that is tiny. That is teeny, teeny, tiny. Um, They're developing these tiny little devices that they are putting in pipes, as well as uh, some of them are even going into the ocean and wow. some of them are being drilled into the ground, too. Because, I mean, they're tiny little holes. It's okay if there are tiny little holes in the ground that they drop these into. That's not really going to affect the integrity of the ground that much. As mm-hmm. long as they do it spread out, it won't really cause that much damage. Because I know one of the biggest things about fracking is it is drilling into the earth and it causes a lot of um unstable uh ground it causes unstable ground because there's such big holes and that that's not good because that can cause earthquakes too that's very true but now they're putting these in tiny little holes and other deep uh pipes and what these are able to do are they are able to detect the smallest most subtle movements in the earth in the surface of the earth and they're able to report instantly whenever they notice any differences so this is so important because Earthquakes can be very deadly. They can be very, very deadly, deadly, especially if they're not reported fast enough. Mm-hmm. Now, there are different severities of earthquakes, and there are also areas where earthquakes are more uh, more prone. Like, if you look in California, earthquakes are almost an everyday occurrence there. Uh, I actually yeah. have grandparents. and other family lives out there. They mm-hmm. deal with earthquakes all the Same. time. Most of them aren't that bad. Most of them are just small little tremors that they feel, and it's not that big of a deal. Other areas... True don't expect it that much and when an earthquake hits no matter how small or how large it can devastate them like i remember here in new jersey i felt an earthquake maybe seven years ago um because there was an earthquake that happened in washington dc and i also have friends in dc and it was terrifying to them um they couldn't believe it was happening because the thing is is that that area and same New Jersey Is not close to any uh, tectonic plates Not close to any tectonic boundaries And uh, earthquakes Tend to happen mostly toward The tectonic boundaries mm-hmm. So it makes sense that more earthquakes Would happen in California than they would in New Jersey Because there there's An area in California where they basically live On top of a boundary The San Andreas Fault in case any of you have uh, heard of that um, But This could minutes Minutes could be Crucial to the survival of so many people in helping them escape from the earthquake and be safe because (laughs) it's uh, it's unfortunate. We can't really do anything about earthquakes. It's just one of those things that happens uh, within the earth. It's just the earth moving uh, rock and all that. And it just happens.
2: And with the earthquake detection, that's very um, key in um, um, telling the severity and like preventing a um disaster like dean said and if you see if you see some see over the course of the past few years there's been a um, kind of a increase in earthquakes I could be mistaken about if it's linked to climate change but if you um look at haiti if you look at um chile back in um, early 2010s, if you look at Japan, if you look at even California recently, I think a year or two ago, that there's been um, um, a lot of earthquakes. And I know that these are judged by the Richter scale, and which tells the severity of um, the earthquake. But I think this um, technology is very um, key in preventing these earthquakes like not preventing them but um tracking them this um for for danger
1: and that's i want to say jill that, that is that is a very good point that you made about uh earthquakes occurring more frequently because i also have noticed that i've noticed that not only have there been more earthquakes recently there's been a lot more really severe earthquakes recently mm-hmm. um, cuz i i do think i remember in one of my classes um There are only supposed to be, like, earthquakes that, like, there have been some, like, 8.0s. And, like, 8.0s are really, really severe. Um, That's only supposed to happen, like, once every, like, 100 years or something. There have been a lot of 8.0s within the last 20 years. There there had to have been at least, like, five. Five 8.0 earthquakes that have happened within the last few years. I couldn't list them off the top of my head of how many that there have been. But... It goes without saying, there's been a lot of severe earthquakes recently, and to an extent, I, I don't really know if I'd call it um, climate change, but I think the whole thing with fracking, I think fracking has a lot to do with it, because the act of fracking itself can cause earthquakes, because when these wow. when these giant drills are drilling into the ground... Of course, it's going to cause some disturbance in the Probably. in the rock uh, surface, and tectonic plates. Yeah, it doesn't even have to be on tectonic plates where these uh, where these things happen, because this the the drilling of it it causes so much shaking itself, and that that causes other rock to crack in the Earth's surface, and cracking of rock is what causes earthquakes, and in areas where earthquakes are not expected. The architecture is different in those buildings, and uh, it's kind of built not for earthquakes.
2: And and basically, earthquakes are um, a natural process of the earth. If if you ever learned about earthquakes, the process of um um earthquakes is when the boundaries converge, and um it's kind it's kind of the earth kind of shifting, but in the with the with the plates, but it, it's very harmful as um to um, human civilizations, because it wrecks um, buildings and homes and could cause um, um, death and like destruction. But it's good that we have this type of technology to prevent, it, um, to to um, to warn people about when these occurrences will happen.
1: And what I think is really cool about these little devices that are being developed is that they can also be used in the ocean too, because Tsunamis, in case any of you don't know, tsunamis are the result of an earthquake that happens in the ocean because what happens is um, these plates suddenly shift and it causes huge amounts of water to uh, basically move up and down. It, it causes them to form bigger and bigger waves. It's like a domino effect. Um, and with these being in the water now, other civilizations are going to be able to escape. From tsunamis too. Thankfully, that's not so much of a problem here on the East Coast. That's not really much of an issue. But when you look at island nations like Japan, like I remember with uh, with Fukushima, uh, that was a huge issue. Well, that was actually like two big issues in one, really, because in Fukushima there was the initial tsunami that occurred, and then there was the nuclear reactor that melted down as a result because there was no power being delivered to the system so the power overheated or the um the power core overheated and it caused huge radiation leaks and it was really bad so with this now not only is it going to be able to help with earthquakes by being placed in pipes and being put deep 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 into the earth it's going to help with uh, tsunamis too and personally i think tsunamis are a little scarier than earthquakes because earthquakes it's just a ground shaking, but like with tsunamis, like that is water. That is huge, huge amounts of water being sent right to you. Yeah. And there's nothing you can do about it.
2: It's worse than a hurricane. Yeah. Oh it, so much worse than a hurricane. And if you um remember back in history, probably fourteen years ago there was um the tsunami in the Pacific Ocean that um affected Sri Lanka and you said Fukushima.
1: Yeah, Fukushima.
2: And a few other places and that's that's very um much the reason why we need this technology yeah oh absolutely
1: absolutely yeah um i mean the thing is the thing is this technology right it's not going to prevent areas from getting devastated Mm -mm. by these by these uh by earthquakes or tsunamis these areas are still going to get totally destroyed as much as i hate to say it these areas are going to experience a lot of damage still from earthquakes no matter what but how like the thing is is that people are going to be able to safely escape the areas that are being affected and of what may have been a death toll of 2000 might be cut down to a death toll of two i mean because all it takes is minutes all it takes is minutes for people to be able to do something about it and with those extra minutes, that's precious time. That is precious time when it comes to something like this because it's already hard to detect these, and it's not like it, it's not like a hurricane where you're gonna be able to detect it. You know, five days away, it might only be five minutes away now, but that's still huge time that can really be used to help people out. Uh, unfortunately, though, we do have to take a short break on sustainable you. We'll be right back after a few short underwriting announcements on 1077 Remember, The Bronx being and the the with U. U. Time
0: to take environmental action. Now back to our weekly eco-friendly discussion on sustainable U. Exclusively on 1077 The Bronx and 1077thebronk.com. To download previous episodes of Sustainable U, click on the Sustainable U tab at 1077thebronk.com.
2: 1077 The Bronk and 1077 com live at Colonies Public House Studios. This is Sustainable You. I'm one of your hosts, Jaleesa Malvern, and I'm joined by Dean Riddle. So in this fourth segment, we're going to be talking about the polishing um, of the keys, the Florida keys, and um, basically tour companies um, pitched in the cleanup after the storm. And they said when Hurricane Irma slammed, um, slammed it was about like late f- mid to late fall,
1: like we now. all remember how bad Irma was.
2: Irma, yeah, it was like a category four, mm-hmm. Had yeah, a lot of destruction.
1: And the thing with Irma is that it caused so much destruction everywhere. Irma devastated almost all of Florida. Um, and with that, mm-hmm. with that destruction comes a lot of debris that's going to be stuck in the water, stuck on the streets. Um, and a lot of it, it's going to be hard to really do anything about because a lot of it is drifted out into the ocean pretty deep too. And it makes it really hard to do anything. But what's really, um, what, what's really awesome about uh, this is that a lot of tourism companies, uh, particularly there, there's one called uh, blue star. I think there's one called blue star in I heard Florida. Of that. Oh, 40. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Blue star. Um, they are going out into the ocean themselves And it's just a tourism company doing this, guys. It's just a tourism company. This tourism company is going out to the ocean themselves, and they're putting on scuba gear, and they're diving in to retrieve so much debris stuck in the water. Now, right now, they are saying only, I think, eight employees are currently diving in to do anything, but they said 40 others are scheduled to uh, eventually go in and help clean up. That's good that's just that's really good news and i know that i know the thing with this show in particular is unfortunately a lot of it is kind of bad news a lot of it is things that aren't good going on in the world but this is really really good news i love love hearing about local companies getting together to join forces and to really do something that's really good for the environment like this. I mm-hmm. I never really I never thought that a tourism company of all companies would go out there and they would um do their part in helping clean up. I think that's huge and they're doing this all on their own dime too. They're doing this yeah. on their own dime, their own time. They're putting out their own employees to help with this. And for the most part, these employees all seem on board with it because they know how important the environment is around them. And because they're a tourism company, they probably want to keep the area around them really nice and really clean so that the Florida Keys can be as beautiful as it always was.
2: That's very true. And hopefully the 40 um, divers will turn into 400 divers and that would get it done even more efficiently. And with... um hurricanes period they that would cause a lot of debris because um, basically the force of the storm is washing against the land and there's so many houses, buildings that are made out of cement and you don't know if it hits especially old buildings um, older buildings from 60s 50s, 70s they, which used a lot of asbestos mm-hmm. they, that asbestos is traveling into the water and um, and other chemicals too maybe in um i believe paint used to be made out of mercury
1: no lead lead, paint. lead
2: lead lead. yeah lead paint and that that's also bad too and our water usually doesn't come from the ocean i think and usually from natural sources but right it's it's able to be
1: purified um through um fil- filtering See, now, I would love to see now – see, this company, Blue Star. I give huge props to them. I give huge props to them, and I would love to see other companies follow suit. I would love to see other mm-hmm. companies do their own part in helping with this cleanup effort because the truth is, hurricanes are so destructive. I Be mean, very destructive. Earthquakes are too. I'm not trying to discount earthquakes and tsunamis and all that. They're all extremely destructive, and yeah. I do think um, – you know, if something like that were to happen, I feel like this company would do the same thing because, to me, they really seem like a good company to the core. Um, yeah. I've I've actually never heard of them before. You said you have heard of them. You've heard of Blue Star. Blue Stars.
2: Yeah. You've heard of them. I've 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 heard the name. Um, I might have heard it from from um, Irma. Um, because and Irma didn't just affect um the Florida Keys. I think it affected Puerto Rico. Yeah. And, and yeah. Other Caribbean. Uh huh. oh yeah um, and they're probably doing
1: they might be doing stuff there too to help and uh yeah that's great um the only thing is like and i'm not trying to take away from their doing again i can't believe they're doing such a great thing i wish other companies would have done something similar with like uh hurricane sandy or uh hurricane katrina yeah because we all know how devastating i i especially around here we all know how devastating hurricane sandy was hurricane sandy um I've lived I've lived in Tom's River for 19 years of my life, um, and I actually live very close to the Barnegat Bay, and the Barnegat Bay was very heavily affected by Hurricane Sandy, and it was it was really scary. I remember one time when I was I was in my house and my parents were looking out their window, and they saw there was actually a police car, their lights yeah. on, um, and the police car was going down the street, and it just suddenly went in reverse. It just backed up, and it tried going forward again. It backed up again. And they turned on the lights and the water was literally up to our doorstep.
2: Same with, same with, um, by me, I live not too far from Atlantic city and, um, portions of the boardwalk came up and, um, just, um, um, floated away into the ocean and that, and the, um, Atlantic city for what I don't know if you know, it's like one of the largest boardwalks, um, on, on any beach in the country, I believe.
1: Oh, is it really? I didn't even know that.
2: And it's, it's it's a very long boardwalk, and it and I, and it just came up. The water just that I'm um, just um, took it up because it's not it's, it wasn't some of it's not strong and it's yeah. been renovated for a long time. Mm-hmm.
1: I know. Um. Also in in Seaside Heights, which was uh literally like five minutes away from where I lived, um, there was a roller coaster, and this is pretty iconic too. This is pretty iconic from the aftermath of Sandy. There was a roller coaster that used to be on the boardwalk, and it was drifted out into the ocean.
2: Oh my goodness
1: Yeah just that, a roller coaster just, And it was standing there too Like it wasn't even on its side It was just It was standing in the ocean It was just completely separated From the boards and all that And it's just crazy To look at how much The force of a storm can do I mean with that storm Literally everything went wrong the, It was a full moon It was high tide And it was really strong winds And a lot of rain All at once Literally everything That you could think Could go wrong In a hurricane Happened And I would have loved To see another company Like Blue Star to really get out there and to help the residents that were in dire need of help too because new jersey relies a lot of tourism that is the one blessing and curse of new jersey because as a lot of you know the beaches cost money to get onto in new jersey which sucks for residents but it um it's really, in the long run, it's a good thing Because it's generating money for the state And it's able to make sure that These beaches stay in a good condition Because New Jersey actually does have some really nice beaches Very I know New Jersey tends to get a bad rap For a lot of things, but New Jersey has some really nice beaches And that's what a lot of the money goes towards
2: Yeah, the the cleanup um, There's been a lot of cleanup processes In there in, um, Even with Atlantic City um, After um, the post-aftermath Of Sandy some of the um, the have been improved, the stronger, and um, I saw last summer they were renovating um, one of the Avenue beaches that I usually would like to go to. I think it was Rhode Island um, Beach, and that was renovated up to par. And basic, basically, this is um, a good thing that they're cleaning cleaning up after the storm because of what i mentioned earlier all that debris um causes pollutants in the water and it's detrimental also to the animals and the water fish and um other um life jellyfish mm-hmm. and um that that that's definitely um a good thing for um marine um
1: it's a good thing for everyone really yeah, yeah. because it's it's helping to keep the area that and the florida is an area where they rely off a lot off the tourism especially Mm -hmm. like the florida keys and all that they rely a lot off that but it's helping their marine life there too to make sure that they don't um they don't get stuck in all this debris and as you were saying earlier with asbestos and lead paint and all that um they're helping to clean that up, and they're making sure that everything stays in order there, and I'd love to see other small companies get involved in something like this. I think it's a really great thing they're doing. I'd love to see other companies take suit after them. Unfortunately, we are out of time for this episode of Sustainable You. We'll be back at the same time next week on 1077 The Bronx and 1077 thebronkcom
0: Your eco-education for this week is complete. Thank you for listening to today's edition of Sustainable You. Listen to Sustainable You every Saturday, now its new time, Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. on 1077 The Bronc and 1077TheBronc.com. If you would like to hear a replay of this or previous episodes of Sustainable U, click on the Sustainable U tab at 1077TheBronc.com. You can also subscribe to our podcast. Simply search Sustainable U on Apple iTunes. Sustainable U on 1077 The Bronc is underwritten in part by the Trenton Farmers Market, 960 Spruce Street, Lawrence. The area's original and most trusted farmers market, open all year round. Team Toyota of Princeton, are you a part of the team? terhune Orchards, 330. Cold Soil Road, Lawrence, 200 acres of locally grown Jersey Fresh fruits and vegetables with country style service. The Rider University Office of Sustainable Management and Bronx Go Green, and Lawn Crafters LLC helping you create a landscape that you can be proud of. It's easy being green with Sustainable You every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. exclusively on 1077 The Bronx and 1077TheBronx.com.